When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower here on the Horn. Gregway with you here. And uh, Jeff Howe over on uh, campus over the availability was uh, just wrapping up there following the practice. And um, the uh, and so they went through their second break. Of course, you know, the spring practices, they're going uh, every other day on those. And um, we'll... Uh, See how things are. Here's a uh, on the specs text on cleanup from hour number one. Somebody asked me if I'm doing any games for Westwood One this year. Don't don't really have time this year because of the way the, the schedules are staggered with uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball uh, this year. So it was going to be it was going to be difficult to do. It's kind of difficult to do any, anyway. Somebody else saying uh, pay the woman. <laughs> the 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 fact that she she. Uh, she was originally arrested, as as we pointed out, for, uh, you know, originally arrested for being an accessory to attempted murder. Because remember, the the um, the dog walker was shot, although he, he recovered from it. But then uh, she pleaded no contest to that lesser charge of receiving stolen property, those those two dogs. So... Uh, you know, it'll, I'm not sure that, that she's going to have a, a lot of success trying to claim on that afterwards when she was also had uh, had a relationship with the father of one of the guys who was involved in the armed robbery. So um, with regard to Ronald McDonald and that and that clause where they said he cannot be called Ronnie. Somebody said you can call him Ray and you can call him Jay, but don't call him Ronnie. Yeah, the old thing about you can call me RJ or Raymond James Johnson Jr. That whole, that whole big deal. Um, uh, CB saying, how about the uh, Denver Broncos signing a fifth member of the 2018 Texas Longhorn football team yesterday? Little Jordan Humphrey, PJ Locke, Andrew Beck, Calvin Anderson, Caden Stearns, and now Humphrey. And you know, LJ looked like he might have a shot. Cameron to stick with the New England Patriots when when he was there, especially with his work on special teams, but now with the Broncos. Yeah, he had some excellent moments on special teams. He had one of the biggest hits, I think, of, of the year. If you went on YouTube, but let's look up little Jordan Humphrey hit on YouTube. But hopefully he can find some some stable footing in Denver. I mean, he's shown his ability to be a receiver. He's had a couple touchdown passes in New Orleans, thought he would stay there. No, ended up in New England. And now with Denver, so... Um, 
I don't know if going from Mac Jones to Russell Wilson is an upgrade. It's a downgrade. It's about the same. It might be a downgrade, but uh, hopefully he'll work out brand new coaching staff. And, you know, he had some ties with, of course, Sean Payton in New Orleans. And I guess Payton liked what he saw out of little Jordan Humphrey. And, and hopefully he can uh, have a good career out in Denver because, you know, he was one of the one of my favorite Texas receivers when he was here. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he uh, – you know, it, it got off to such a rocky start with him with the pro day, and uh, yep. which is tomorrow, by the way, pro timing day on the UT campus. So uh, it, it gotten off to a really rocky start with him there, and I just felt I've, I felt like he's been climbing uphill the entire time. But good to see uh, him signing with the Denver Broncos. I know there was, there was a, and as CB pointed out, he played in New Orleans with Sean Payton as well. So uh, now he's if you will, reunited anyway with his former head coach, with Sean Payton, who I know really liked him. Here's here's the other common thread. Sean Payton, I believe, still owns, or at least did own, for quite a while, quite a few years, a house in Southlake. Mm-hmm. L.J. Humphrey played at high school football. Ah, Southlake okay. Carroll. So we got a chance to see him as early as high school back in the day. So... Uh, with regard to that McDonald's thing and the, uh, the, 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 some of the franchisees complaining about the uh, Cardi B and Offset meal, uh, somebody says it's, it's not really so much Offset. It's more Cardi B. Uh, her song, um, <clears throat> WAP. Is that, what you say right here, Craig. What's that? No, I just did the, the, the song with, yeah, the, just, with the letters there. Don't want the FCC to come right back no, at you. No, we won't be doing that. Uh, and and as you pointed out, somebody said, "Hey, McDonald's does have a meal with Travis Scott, who uh, had that profanity laced set of lyrics as well." It's definitely more about just the name that comes with them, and not what the music stands for. Even though it is ironic, considering that Golden Arches, whatever <laughs> code code, yeah, the Golden, the Arch, golden Arch code. <laughs> the Golden Arches Code. Forget the Golden Rule, Craig. How about the Golden Arch Code? You need the Golden Arches Code if you're gonna if you're gonna exist in this world, right? Uh, it's important to have the Golden Arches Code. So uh, anyway, that 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 was uh, part of the cleanup there on uh, hour number one. Also, the first hour we visited with Jerry Palm, the uh, bracketologist for CBS, to uh, and you can see his work online at uh, cbssports.com. Uh, he feels that Texas is a very strong two seed, uh, has the bad, in fact, as his number two overall, number two seed, and that a win uh, for Texas probably would cement their status as the number two seed. I certainly feel that way, uh, cement their status as the number two seed in the NCAA tournament uh, if they just win the game tomorrow night even. There would be a uh, something uh, that probably would lock them in to being a two seed right now, uh, the way Jerry has it listed in his first four, the ones who would play in uh, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, the two. One thing that's good about that uh, the uh, first four in Dayton, and I had a chance. Somebody asked me about broadcasting for Westwood One. I did the first four one year and really enjoyed it. Um, it's not just the sixteen seeds; they uh, have two eleven seeds playing, trying to play into the field. Uh, Penn State against Mississippi State this year is one of them. The other one that he's projecting would be Michigan and Utah State. 
Uh, the year that I did it, I think I had Michigan against Wichita State as a battle of 11 seeds. Then the 16s that uh, Jerry is projecting, uh, Fairley Dickinson against Alcorn State. Fairley Dickinson is an interesting story. They're, um, they did not win their conference tournament. They did not win their regular season title in the Northeast Conference, but they are going to represent the Northeast Conference. The reason why the school that won the league, Merrimack, and then beat FDU by one point last night in the conference tournament championship game is ineligible to go to the NCAA tournament because they're still in the transition mode. This is the last year of their transition mode from Division Two to Division One, And we've seen other programs in the state of Texas, Abilene Christian go through that before they earned Division One status, obviously, and beat Texas uh, two years ago in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Tarleton has gone through the D1 transition. And uh, there's there's other ones that are going through that D1 transition. So you go through that transitional period. It can be four years or five years, depending on the conference that you're in. And Merrimack, which is, by the way, I believe a a uh, a Division One hockey power, uh, but they won the league and uh, and they regular season they won the conference tournament title over Fairleigh Dickinson, but. FDU gets to represent. And they've got them both listed as 16s. And then the other 16s that uh, Jerry has listed as the ones that would play in will be Southeast Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Now, he's projecting that A&M Corpus is going to win the Southland Conference. They play Northwestern State tonight in the conference tournament final. So the winner of that tournament, I think that tournament is still played in Katy at the Merrill Center, winner of that tournament goes to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and he's projecting uh, the highest seeds. And that's what bracketologists do. They project the highest seeds of those one-bid leagues to win their conference tournaments. And as I pointed it out, it hasn't always happened that way. There have already been a few upsets this year with uh, teams that were that won their regular season out of one-bid leagues and then – were unable to finish the job in the conference tournament. So they wind up completely missing out. Now, one thing that's mitigated it a little bit for some of these schools is uh, the fact that if you win your conference regular season in Division One, if you do that, you are assured at the very least a trip to the NIT. That's what happened with Texas State last year. So, uh, but But in the Horizon League, Youngstown State – was the one seed, and uh, got knocked out by Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky uh, last year uh, lost to Wright State in the title game, but they're going to the NCAA tournament for the fourth time since 2017. And that's under Darren Horn, the former Shaka Smart assistant. And, by the way, Darren, who had coached Western Kentucky and coached South Carolina and got out of the coaching game for a bit, was actually one of the basketball analysts used on Longhorn Network very early on, before he joined Shaka's staff. So uh, Darren's a really good dude, and, and uh, I'm, I'm glad for him. So uh, the Norse uh, defeated. They finished in a, actually a three-way tie with uh, Cleveland State and Milwaukee for second. But Milwaukee was the two seed, Cleveland State the three, Northern Kentucky the four. And then they won that. Or Roberts won last night. They beat North Dakota State. Now, that's the one seed in that tournament winning. Uh, they won easily over North Dakota State, 
Uh, or you remember a couple of years ago had that big 15 over two win, and that was when they had Kevin O'Banner on the team before he transferred to Texas Tech. So, um, and uh, ORU is going back to the big dance as well. Um, so that you know, I, I mentioned uh, Jerry Palm's uh, bracketology and and uh, the number one overall seed. He thinks Kansas is in the driver's seat to finish it, but they're not, you know, not completely uh, into it. Uh, it probably takes another win to do that. Uh, Joe Lenardi uh, updated his, I believe, on Tuesday night. Uh, last night, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. He updated it last night. And in talking to Jerry about Oklahoma State, he said they had work to do. Joe Lenardi agrees with that. He has Oklahoma State as the number one team on the first four outline. And uh, and his uh, four play-in teams, uh, play-in matchups, Southeast Missouri State against the aforementioned Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, Mississippi State, Utah State, Howard Alcorn State, Rutgers, and Nevada. As far as Texas goes, uh, I mentioned that they were the two-seed in the mind of Joe Lenardi, or, or rather of uh, Jerry Palm. They are also the two-seed in the mind of Joe Lenardi. He has them as the two-seed in the West region that would wrap up the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight would be in Las Vegas. And he has them as the two-seed playing Vermont in Birmingham. Um, you know, so he's got them in there and that. The the number one seed in that West region, he has Sacramento. He has UCLA opening in Sacramento. Uh, the other number ones, he's got Houston opening in Columbus and Alabama in Birmingham and Kansas in Des Moines. And see, and Lenardi has Kansas slotted into going to Kansas City. If they're the number one overall seed, I think he's absolutely right. If they're the number one overall seed. Um, as Jerry told us last hour, it just kind of depends on – you know, what happens with some of the other leagues as well. In case you're interested uh, with regard to uh, Lenardi and other Big 12 schools, uh, he has Baylor as a two-seed in Denver playing Montana State, and that's who um, that's who uh, Jerry Palm has Texas playing. But again, Montana State has to play Northern Arizona in that conference tournament final, which gets it back to that whole discussion about automatic qualifiers, and sometimes they don't step through and, and win the thing. Lenardi, unlike uh, Palm, has Tennessee as a three seed, not a four seed. Uh, he has Iowa State as a five seed uh, in in Albany. And uh, he also uh, has uh, TCU in the field. And I was just looking to see. He has a five seed in Greensboro playing the automatic qualifier from the Missouri Valley, Drake, uh, the 12 seed. He has Kansas State as a three seed playing in Denver, against UC Irvine, uh, the projected Big West automatic qualifier winner. Uh, and outside the Big 12, he's got Texas A&M as the seventh seed in Sacramento against the 10th seed North Carolina State. So there's uh, several different things at work. But he's got Oklahoma State as the first team out out of the first four out, which include the other two teams that I asked Jerry Palm about, North Carolina and Michigan. And uh, they're all three According to both of these guys on the outside looking in right now, um, Lenardi has North Carolina as the fourth number four, uh, the fourth team of the first four out, and Michigan would be in the next four out, the top one there, the fifth team overall that would be out. The funny thing is, he's got next four out. He's got Charleston 
Uh, but Charleston won last night. They won the Colonial. They beat the first of my former alma maters, the University of North Carolina Wilmington. They beat the Seahawks of UNCW to win that. So Charleston's in the field as an AQ. All right, coming up, we'll have our Flex 30 update. Uh, we will uh, also have a Longhorn Notebook. We will check in with Jeff Howe, who is just wrapping up what's going on down there with the media availability, following the practice. We'll do all that and more when we continue. We'd like the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. We're going to visit with Jeff in just a few moments here on the Longhorn Notebook for this hour from down on the UT campus. We'll get to that momentarily, but right now it's time for our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Cam, it's come to that time again. It's time for the UIL State Tournament Geography Quiz. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna run down these and then uh, and then I'll have you, you know, try to guess, um, you know, where these towns and communities are located that have these schools that are participating in the UIL Boys State Basketball Tournament, which begins tomorrow morning at 8:30. So uh, that'll come up. All right. First of all. Uh, 1A, these are usually the more challenging ones, I, I would imagine, the small town ones. Uh, Benjamin. Nope. Okay. It's in Knox County. It's between, say, Wichita Falls and Lubbock, out that way. Okay. Okay. Grayford? Nope. Uh, out Palapino County, it's out on uh, by Possum Kingdom Lake, if you're familiar with that. Not far from that. In fact, Possum Kingdom Lake? Yeah, the real thing. Beautiful lake. Oh. Great lake out west of Fort Worth up there. Great okay. lake. Uh McMullen County against Jayton. It's in the community of Tilden. Not familiar with Far South Texas. Okay. Like before you get to the valley, but down south. Playing Jayton. Any luck there? Jayton? No, no. Okay. Nearing the South Plains like you're at Jayton. Jayton. J A Y T O N. Okay. Jayton. Yeah. Uh Hooks. Mm. Yeah. Hometown of Heisman Trophy winner Billy Sims, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Played at Hooks, uh, Northeast Texas. Hitchcock, no. Down by Houston. Lytle, you know. But that's down in Corpus, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. On the way. That's the on one. Way to, that's yeah, the no, one I know. Yes. Okay. Played Childress. That's his own town, correct? Childress. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Childers. I don't know. I am. I do know. I am familiar with it. That's the first one. Besides, Lyle. okay, it's near the Panhandle. Okay, Kimball, you know from Dallas. Vets Memorial from San Antonio, you know. Colleen Ellison, you know. Mansfield Summit. That's also up in the north, northeast part of Texas. Dallas Forward Metroplex, Mansfield. Yeah, okay, it's right near Arlington. Uh, okay, and then uh, the Friday Summit Lipan. They were there last week with the girls. Is that the Panhandle? Uh, no, it's in Palo County, right on the line with a. With uh, Hood County out west of Fort Worth a little bit. Mm. New Home. No. That's Panhandle. Okay. Uh, Flatonia? Uh, I 
want to say south of San Antonio. Uh, kind of east of San Antonio, uh, south uh, east of here. It's it's an area that, like I said, our good friend Jim Spencer, the uh, outstanding weather forecaster, KXAN, he he kind of includes Flatoni in the area, okay. kind of much like how you would do Colleen as well. Uh, Larue La Pointer. La Pointer is the name of the high school. It's in the community of Larue. Mm-hmm. That's East Texas. It's over by Tyler. Uh, Faith Family Academy is in Oak Cliff. You know where Oak Cliff is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. That's where. Yeah. Okay. All right. And by the way, somebody pointed Lytle is actually south of San Antonio on I-35. When you said that at first, I was thinking of Mathis, which is over by Corpus. Lytle is straight south That's of right. San That's Antonio right. yeah. on I-35. So I'm glad they said that. Um, Canyon Randall. No. Okay. Uh, that's in the Panhandle. Bernie? Uh, I don't know where it's at on the map. Hill Country, just okay. northwest of San Antonio. Houston, Washington, you know. Beaumont United, you know. Northside Brennan, you know. Lake Highlands. Guessing that's Dallas? Yeah. Yeah, it's in the Richardson ICs of Dallas and DeSoto. All right, so there it is. There is your quiz today for the UIL State Tournament begins at 8.30. Another offer Tomorrow. Uh, that's all right. Well, no, you, well, you kind of knew. Well, you knew where the big, big city schools were. All right, there it is. There's your Flex 30 update. Time now for the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. That is brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. It is a sure bet that Jeff Howe knew where a great many of those UIL schools were, if not all of them. Am I right about that, Jeffrey? Uh, yeah, Platoni, I know where that was. I didn't hear all the other ones you were running down, but that was one of the last ones. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. So, take us through today. Uh, uh, practice today out, and there was a window, a media window viewing availability, and then there was the media availability after. What were your observations on uh, on this practice? 13-0, Craig. You ready for a trip to the semifinals? No. There we go. People get tired of me saying People get tired of me saying that at some point. Now, and I've got my practice notes posted at Horns 24-7 if you want to go. Anybody wants to go kind of deep diving. And uh, the great Mike Roach joining me at practice today. So Mike's got some observations as well. Uh, you know, the big thing I took away, I know you watched him and Craig in high school, but you, you watched Jonte Cook run through drills. And it's very, it's very Des Bryant-like just his burst off the line of scrimmage like you don't see guys that are that twitched up that can get to top gear as fast as he can that then have the ball skills to go up and get the football and catch it with strong hands and get up the field um just he alone like you take A.D. Mitchell out of the equation or DeAndre Moore out of the equation like he alone by himself has raised the talent level in that receiver room. So just watching Jonte Cook today, then I watched more of the defense on Monday. I was just blown away by how college ready he is. Like, yeah, like, you know, you see the tape in high school, you see him in person in high school, you watch him in big games and that's great. But to see them do it, even in a setting like this, um, just how twitched up they look compared to other guys at, at that level. Um, he, he's going to contribute right off the bat. I know Sark has talked about, uh, you know, finding that production, that they're losing with Roshan and Bijan, you know, just kind of replicating the the, the production and then the explosiveness. Jonte Cook can factor into that for sure. I, I just I really really love his game. That's where it starts for me. Uh, do you share the view of many that the best part of the offensive talent for Texas 
is definitely the younger guys. Even even just getting to just freshmen and sophomores as opposed to getting into some upperclassmen. Yeah, especially, you know, like running back, right? Like Jonathan Brooks and, and Keelan Robinson are on the men. But you watch Jaden Blue and, and C.J. Baxter, those guys look ready. Like especially C.J. Baxter looks ready to roll. Uh, you know, looks like he belongs. Uh, just talked about Jonathan Cook. Looks like he belongs at receiver. Um, you know, don't have really have that at tight end, but man, you, know, you talk about the offensive line, Craig. I mean, we ran down the weights the other day, and then <clears throat> get a glimpse of like Andre Kojo or Connor Stroh, you know, Jaden Chapman. And again, it's one thing to see those guys in high school, but then to see them on the field with other college linemen, um, they're they're you, you can be excited about those guys. And I, you know, I'll even take it over to defense. I mean, keep hearing really good things about Anthony Hill and Leonga Lafau, and watch those guys run around today, especially Lafau's a a little leaner, a little more maybe explosive than I thought he was. Um, it, it really reminds you, Craig, like watching the last two recruiting classes. It, it, and I think you'll, you'll agree with me once you, you get out there and get a chance to see these guys. It really reminds you of the way the Texas roster started to look. Really, really starting with that 2000 season, right? Like 99, you brought in that class with Rod B and, and Bo Scaife, Chris Sims, and Corey Redding and that crew. And then in 2000, you add, you know, Roy Sloan and BJ, uh, and you could tell really quick, like early in that 2000 season, even though they lost that game to Stanford, you're like, man, compare this to a couple of years ago, the talent level on that program just shot up, uh, you know, exponentially. I, I think that's what you're looking at with this group. So, I mean, I, I don't know that they'll be ready to go to Tuscaloosa and win a football game, but I think this is a team that, if you look at the kind of the brand of football they'll play in, in September compared to where they'll be in, you know, mid to late November, uh, this is a team that I think file it away because I think you'll be really excited. Again, if the player development piece is there uh, and if the staff has it together from an X's and O's standpoint, you can see this team in November. And then we're talking about a team that we're talking about a team going into 2024. It's like, all right, now you can talk about one in the conference, getting into the playoff, you know, doing all that kind of stuff that, that you're talking about. And I, and I think that's the case regardless of what conference Texas will be in the 2024, you know, going to the, going to the SEC. Jeff Howe on the line here with the notebook for this hour. Okay, uh, you said when you went to the first practice you wanted to watch defense because you said you had more questions really about the defense and the offense. Did you look again more at defense and offense today or did you shuttle back over and watch offense today? You know, I, I tried to position myself like in the middle of the field and, and try to watch both. I uh, really wanted to watch the D-line, though, and, you know, Bo Davis. I, I'm always interested in what Bo Davis is doing, Craig. You know, he's he's just really in tune with something. Like when he gets fixated on something from a, a technique standpoint that his guys really need to rep, they will rep it and rep it and rep it and rep it. Like last year, you went up to spring practice last year, or even a camp practice, it was all about hand placement, all about striking, because he felt like they didn't do a good job of that in 2021. Uh, now it's all about ball get off. It's ball get off, ball get off, ball get off. That's all that interior D line group did during individual. So uh, that kind of caught my eye. And also, you know, Terry Joseph working with the secondary guys on actually playing the football. Like, that's something that I haven't seen a lot of uh, at a Texas practice before, even in these little windows that we get. You know, guys working on, uh, you know, man principles and then, you know, driving off of your back foot and planting the back foot and then driving off of it and going to break on the ball and then make it a play on the ball. Even if you don't get an interception, just just knock it down. So those two things really stood out. And, you know, hopefully we get another window because the one thing that I wanted to see, Craig, that I just really didn't get a feel for 
uh, you know, Chris Jackson, how he's handling the receivers, just kind of how he coaches. Uh, kind of want to get a really good feel for that. So far, I would say it seems positive. Uh, he's really encouraging of his guys. He's not a, at least from what we see and what we've heard, doesn't strike me as a, you know, a cusser or a screamer, just, just real intent on what he's doing and, and real encouraging of his guys. But now I, I want to get a little bit of a better look at just how, how Chris Jackson runs that group. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we're not a complete program. You know that unless we're talking about the quarterbacks at some point in the program. So I feel compelled to ask you your observations of the quarterbacking position this morning. No, a little uneven from what I could see. Uh, you know, and Malik Murphy didn't throw again while we were out there, but this is, you know, watching Quinn and Arts. Uh, both had some throws that they would like to have back. Uh, both had, and this is just the stuff on air. Uh, both had some, some guys drop a couple balls. Uh, but, you know, the throw of the day was uh, we got a little bit of the one-on-one period. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers threw a really good seam ball to Jordan Whittington. It's kind of a seam and then a little bender toward the corner. Uh, threw a really good ball to Jordan Whittington. Like, Jade Barron couldn't have had better coverage on Whittington. And, you know, Ewers just dropped it in the bucket right over the shoulder. Whittington made a really good catch. So uh, that was kind of the highlight of the day. But I, I thought both guys. Uh, mixed bag, I would say, for for Quinn and Art. Some some good, some bad, but nothing nothing that's going to make you think one way or the other. Like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, it's time to jump off the cliff, or oh my gosh, uh, you know, you're you're looking at the the 2023 Heisman winner. Not nothing anywhere in that universe, but you know, some good, some bad. Well, you, you do realize that for some folks, Jeff, if we're not looking at the 2023 Heisman winner, that is. Uh, enough impetus for them to want to jump off a bridge. You, you have to understand that. You know that's True. that's just that's just. True. Um, <laughs> How about again? It... I preface everything by saying this is a workout in helmets, jersey tops, and shorts. Yeah. Mostly against air. Yeah. <laughs> Some air stuff. All right. Uh, did you get much of a look at, at at anything? Did they do much with special teams this morning? Uh, well, I got caught in that Hayes County traffic this morning. Wasn't that so lovely? That's. Special teams was wrapping up when I got there, so didn't get to see the special teams period, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Uh, if you were to be backed into a corner by a rabid fan uh, who's, who had to know, just had to know, who impressed you more than anyone else this morning, who would that be? John Taker, without question. Yeah. That's why you let off with him. No question. Yeah. Okay. I let off with him here. I, I, I let off with him in my notes at Horse 24-7. Yeah, Jontae Cook looks the part, and, you know, it's not surprising. But, yeah, he's – if if it translates half as much, Craig, when one of the pads come on, they, they've got a difference maker in Jontae Cook. True enough. Okay, now tomorrow, pro timing day, you'll be at that, correct? Yeah, we still don't have logistics on what time they're going to get started, but yeah, I'll be over at the over at Pro Day tomorrow. Okay, all right, and I'll obviously be in Kansas City, so we'll cobble together what we can cobble together. But what are you expecting to see once they do get the schedule together? What would be your general overview for folks who want to know? You know, what all, what all, how, how many people you think will participate? What what's uh, what's your thought on what it could set up to be tomorrow? If Bijan's the only one that's come out and said he's not going to work out, at least that's what he told the NFL Network, that could change. So like I said, we haven't gotten the participation list yet. Um, that could change. But 
you know, if that doesn't include the testing, does he do the on-field drills anyway? I mean, he'll be there to, you know, do the interviews and things like that. Um, you know, how many of the guys that were at the combine choose to retest? Uh, and then I think with, you know, with Bijan and Roshan and DeMarvin Overson bringing a crowd there, it's a really big day for, you know, Anthony Cook and, and Deshaun Jameson. Two guys that didn't go to the combine, but uh, tomorrow is really it's their combine, it's their audition. Uh, and Craig, every year, every year, whether it's Marcus Johnson or Malcolm Roach or Brendan Schooler or, you know, Donald Hawkins, like whoever it is, somebody, Adrian Phillips, somebody ends up coming out of Texas Pro Day that signs as an undrafted free agent and ends up making a roster. Is that a guy like Cook or Jamison that might not get drafted that they end up making a roster? I don't know, but that that's that's always something to be mindful of. You know, who's going to win the pro day? Like I said, Brendan Schooler last year won the pro day, spent the whole year with the Patriots as an active roster player. Uh, Marcus Johnson still in the league. Malcolm Rowe still in the league. So you can you can show up and win your pro day and carve out a nice career for yourself in the NFL. He's Jeff Howe. Obviously, Horns 24-7 is where you find his heavy-duty work, as well as being the co-host here on this program. Uh, I appreciate the, the time. I know it's a busy day for you. And uh, have fun with Pro Day tomorrow. We'll, we'll connect. We'll get all this stuff figured out here over the next couple of days and who's on and when we're on and all that other kind of stuff once we get a better grasp of our schedules and that sort of thing. But, uh, but thanks for doing this this morning. I appreciate it. And we're flying by the seat of our pants for the next couple of weeks. So just everybody just hang on tight and we'll we'll get you through it. As we invariably are. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. That's Jeff Howe, uh, my co-host. Uh, he was out at the Longhorns practice this morning and he'll be at Pro Timing Day tomorrow. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. That's good to wrap it up for today. Hey, um, you also want to be tuning in to Longhorn Softball this weekend. None other. Then Cam Parker will be on the call sitting in for Andrew Haynes. Are you looking forward to that? It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Alabama, Wisconsin. It's going to yeah. be a really fun weekend. The Bevo Classic this weekend. Hopefully Bevo has a classic week in Kansas City on both the men's and women's side. I'm headed out there this afternoon. I'll check in with you tomorrow morning from Kansas City, home of the Big 12 Conference Tournament. For our man Jeff Howe, out there on the practice field today, for our producer, Cam Parker, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you next time right here. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next, and we'll visit with you next time on Light the Tower. <laughs>